Hello and welcome, everyone. This is the Unfiltered and In Progress podcast. We are your hosts, Benjamin. And then I'm the other co-host, Nicole. Yes, and we are cousins, and we are here to share our personality and all good things. I mean, we did reconnect, and that was really cute because, like, we bonded over being queer because Ben was, like, the first, I would say, like, aside from immediate family, the first person I really told about, like, me coming out as a cute little five foot two bisexual yes (laughs) so in today's episode um being that it's the first we thought we would kind of chat a little bit about ourselves so you guys can get to know us a little bit um so we're gonna talk about where we are from because we're kind of both from the same area yeah i mean you know growing up in southern ontario it was always a good time (laughs) you know Pulling tits. Pulling tits, like lots of fields, you know, cow tipping. Just kidding, that doesn't exist. (laughs) Despite what people might think, cow tipping is not real. Yeah. (laughs) They will probably kick you. Yeah. They'll get mad. Yeah. So when we, we were raised in a small little community called Bruce County, and Bruce County is kind of like obviously the county and the town that we I was raised in Walkerton I was raised in Malmé well it's pronounced mild may but I'm from there so you know we say Malmé we say it different yes all right <laughs> so it's kind of like I don't want to like generalize everybody into this category when I say it but I'm going to say it because just do it hick country yep <laughs> back swamp of ontario if you will yeah exactly <laughs> so who, do you want to go first? Do I want to go first? I mean, yeah, I'll go first. I mean, I grew up on a dairy farm and that was really exciting because obviously you get to learn about agriculture. And I mean, as far as when it comes to agriculture, not a lot of people are well-rounded in that area or like know where your food comes from. So I was very fortunate to grow up on a farm and learn skills. Um... I mean, the calves were so cute. I birthed, like, helped calve my first uh, calf when I was, like, 15. Like, yeah, like, 14, 15. That was pretty cute. I had to have a vet walk me through how to help that cow give birth, which was wild. Um, I grew up very sporty. Um, as you could say, I was sporty spice if I was in a, in the Spice Girls. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, great girl group. We love it. Women empowerment. Right. But yeah, I was very sporty, very tomboy I would consider myself the black sheep of the family, which I feel like both of us can relate to. 100%. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as far as like school-wise, I loved like, I was very artsy. I was sporty and artsy, which again. It's a good combination. Yeah. Not very, like, I mean, I have two siblings. Both of my siblings are way different from uh, from me. Um, I have an older brother and a younger sister. I mean, we all grew up playing sports. But again, like, as far as our interests and stuff like that go, like, we are so different. Yeah. Do you find, though, like, the area we grew up in, we weren't really... 
we weren't allowed to feel comfortable with being our authentic self and being able to express ourselves because we knew we were different. And yeah. we like we didn't really have a lot of representation within our community. No. And we weren't even allowed to explore no. within that. Well, especially growing up cuz like we both grew up Catholic. So I never well, related. Yeah. But, you know, like I never really understood like why we were being raised as Catholic and I just never really it never really jived with me I mean I was a good Catholic girl until I went to university so (laughs) I followed that all the way till I was like 18 19 so (laughs) (laughs) I was you know an altar server went to church every week you know I was experience Oh, I don't think we have enough time for that. (laughs) (laughs) It's still ongoing with my therapist. (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll leave it at that. (laughs) Another topic for another time. We love our religious trauma. (laughs) Don't we? (laughs) I remember in high school, do you remember when they used to stand, like they would collect all the teachers they would assign teachers to specific doors yep. and they would stand in front of those doors and not let anyone out. And then the students, a lot of students would be like, well, you're not allowed touching me. Yeah. And you have no choice but, but to let us out. Yeah. And I remember looking at those doors and secretly being, feeling like I was tortured to be going into mass. And it's nothing in a negative standpoint. It's just I didn't feel like I related. So to keep me inside of that experience where I didn't relate, didn't like it, like it was trauma. Yeah. It just gave me trauma because like throughout the years, understanding Catholicism, you know, like there's, I think in every religion has this, there's like these stereotypical things and it's all hypocrisy if, I don't know if you do it wrong or if you don't follow things i don't know but i just i've always been the black sheep of the family as well but i've always been like jinx monsoon says (laughs) the beat to your own drum kind of thing right and i've always been that way so i forget what we were talking about because my (laughs) adhd ass well we are talking about like (laughs) ourselves and how we grew up i mean I love talking about coming from a farm and it's like one of my favorite things because whenever I go home, that's like, that's where you find me. Yeah. (laughs) See, I remember when I dated a girl and I don't, (laughs) I'm I'm not going to mention any names. Um, She may or may not have bullied me in elementary school. (laughs) And that's why I did not like her, but now I'm an adult and I'm like, well, it shaped me. So, you know. Yeah. So I, I I remember like going to friends' farms and especially her farm. Like we used to milk cows together. It was a lot of fun. I do miss that relationship of friendship that I had with that person because like we were like a very good genuine friendship. And that was the time that I was going through like self identification in terms of understanding who I was and didn't really have a lot of experience to put to that feeling. So it made everything else even more confusing. And um, I just had a lack of experience or knowledge of connection. Yeah. Well, sorry. I definitely cut you off. No, it's all good. No? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I feel 
feel like when you're like I guess the quote-unquote like young and dumb sort of situation obviously when you're young you're not gonna know everything and I feel like especially coming from such a small a small like town or like just a small area in general we didn't have a lot of I guess accessibility at our fingertips because everyone we knew was very much the same. There was a lot of carbon copies, just like, you know, in different forms. <laughs> Hashtag incest. <laughs> um, so sorry if you hear some incest jokes. Um, that's just, you know, we grew up in a small town, so, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, <laughs> when you're when you're young, when you're young and, like, I don't know, very impressionable, you just want to follow suit. But, I mean, I feel like for you and I especially, I mean, you came out a lot earlier than me. And I feel like if I would have at least given myself the chance to feel the things that you were also kind of experiencing in that kind of, like time in your life I feel like it definitely would have come out a lot sooner obviously like growing up very catholic and having like to uphold certain values and certain traditions definitely kind of like refrained me from Mm -hmm. coming out very early especially because in our high school I was friends with like a few lesbians and I was friends with like the drama nerds so like me coming out shouldn't have been a surprise Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I did but I mean there wasn't like a lot of people who were queer and if you were queer especially in the high school that we went to you were ridiculed for it mm-hmm. there was a lot of like talking behind you know closed doors and like whispers or whatever and you'd hear it walking past in the hallways and it's just like it's like I was talking about this um on a podcast I was on with someone recently And, you know, when you don't really know who you are because you're not allowed to experience who you are as an individual and explore that, and you have all these voices coming at you telling you who you are without you knowing who you are, and it makes everything really distorted and confusing. And when I came out, I was shitting my fucking pants, scared as all can be. But I knew I had to do it because I'm just like... You know, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. But it actually turned out to be way better when I came out because it silenced all of the ridiculousness. And I'm not saying that it like completely silenced it, but you know, when you can control the volume and it's like really fucking loud, you're like, okay, I'm going to turn it down a bit. It definitely turned it down Mm -hmm. a lot. And there was a lot of bullies in the school and I wanted to do cheerleading. I was oh my too gosh, scared. I would have loved that for you. And I wanted to be in drama. But when you're so in the thick of it, being bullied all the time, you don't want any more of it. So you're kind of trying to silencing all of that because you're already getting enough of what you can handle. And I went through a really difficult time. There was times where I'd skip school a lot because of it. And, you know, I'd always hang out in um, Hambrock's class Mm -hmm. or even at lunchtime. Yeah. And go into a safe space where I felt comfortable. Yeah. But at the same time, as much as I loved being there, I didn't want to be there because I wanted to have that finger quotations when I say this, that normal lunchtime that everyone else gets to experience. Yeah. But 
I was still happy with the experience that I had, but I was unhappy because I wasn't really feeling safe all the time. But the second that I came out, I was able to live my truth a little bit and explore and evolve. And when I went out of high school into college, I just went balls to the walls nuts. And <laughs> I have a lot of stories for later about all of that <laughs> stuff, about exploration and getting to know who you are. And yeah. as long as you are authentic to yourself and not really trying to fit into anybody else's mold but yourself, I think that's yeah. like the key. Yeah. Yeah. My high school different my high school experience was so different because like being that I was the eldest girl in my family obviously my brother was the oldest but like I was the eldest girl so there were certain expectations when it came to me which was like a lot of pressure and especially upholding like heteronormativity was like another layer on top of that and I feel like what my like parents wanted for me and what I wanted for myself just didn't didn't align it didn't click so my high school experience was following what you know was told was like necessary or like you do this because you want to do x y and z instead of doing like I don't know y t w you know like (laughs) well that being said like there's so many like I find high school you're you're put into this box and there's no doors to open to explore. And, you know, you have to fit in the mold with everybody else. And there's no, like, even for the heterosexuals, like, they couldn't even express themselves in the way that they wanted to all of the time. But it was even worse for all of the LGBTQIA plus community. You know, like, it was was challenging. And then, like, for example... Did you, it's probably not the same because like female to male, males are like fucking disgusting. (laughs) Um, Every time like gym class, you know, like I was going to gym just to go to gym class and here are all the heterosexuals who bullied me playing with each other's penises in gym class in the change room and here I am going to the stall because I feel really uncomfortable and I feel like I'm a target. Yeah. So I go to the stall and change and like... My level of um, maturity was, like, surpassed the people that I was surrounded by. And I couldn't relate to anybody because here they are being complete children. Looking back, it's completely necessary. But it never really fit the mold, so I never really understood them. Yeah. Didn't really want to because they're not really that good people. No. I don't know who they are now, but don't really care to learn either. yeah. Yeah. But it's just, like... They call you being gay and saying all this stuff when you don't really do anything for them to, like, have a reason to call you gay. But then here they are playing with each other's dinglings. It's just like, are you sure you're not the gay one? Like, it's okay. Yeah. Especially because, like... (laughs) Projection? Yeah. Especially because, like, when you go into, like, I guess, like, a male locker room, I mean, I um, have a kitty cat, so... (laughs) (laughs) Meow. So I've never had that experience, but, like, based off of what I've heard, especially, like, in a boys' locker room, if you have one person who comes out as gay, they automatically assume that, you know, that queer person wants to get with them, and it's just, like, no. Or even wants to look. Yeah. 
Like what? Like just because you're attracted to the same gender doesn't mean you look at all men like I want to see your penis. Like right. And the fact that like again we weren't given a lot of education on like just what it means to be queer. So a lot of like these homophobic teenagers were just thinking some sort of way even though that's not like how queer people are express themselves like that's not how they act in public yeah and then you know you've got a lot of straight men circle jerking and then they say no homo afterwards and it's just like (laughs) okay um okay there's a lot to unpack there so we're here to paint the walls um (laughs) Uh, yeah I mean yeah high school was tough it really was and like I know what you're saying about like gym class because obviously uh I suppressed so much as far as like being attracted to being attracted to women um in locker rooms because I had a lot of negative body images I would shield myself away and whenever I got dressed, I, like, tried to get as dressed and undressed as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, just because I didn't love my body or anything like that. And I would, like, uh, I would obviously kind of, like, look around the room and, like, see girls in the change room being so, like, free and being so, like, comfortable in their skin meanwhile I'm over here like a gremlin trying to get dressed (laughs) as fast as possible because I don't want you looking at me um so well and I feel like with girls especially there's a lot of like I don't know you've got to look a certain way especially growing up in the early 2000s like we did where we had Mm -hmm. like our inspiration as far as what beauty is within the standards of being a woman was super feminine like double zero like yeah that called for a lot of eating disorders yeah. and triggered a lot of those things when you look at the beauty standards now there are so many people who are shaping what beauty actually is yeah and you know like our generation is in between two other generations and they all are different but that being said i find the generation that we are in and also the newer generation is kind of in the same boat and we're trying to reshape what that beauty standard is and it's I think beauty is a definition of are you happy or not happy yeah because beauty comes in so many different forms and ways and when you are happy that's when beauty shines yeah Oh, yeah, exactly. If I would have allowed myself to, I guess, not exactly be so in my head about what other girls think, I feel like I definitely would have been more free to explore myself because obviously when you hit puberty, your bodies are changing and, you know, my body was a certain way. I was definitely like skinnier before puberty and then as I went through puberty I had like you know the the Ritz thick thighs I had I had some thick thighs and being you know 11 12 years old and being told that you're fat was very traumatizing like I had an eating disorder at 11 yeah and that's like really fucked up yeah because like 
Like, words are, like, incredibly toxic if they're said inappropriately and wrongly. Yeah. Because that's what people remember, or the things that are said to you. Yeah. Well, especially because, like, again, I grew up playing sports. So, I was very sporty, and I wasn't a twig. So, you know, you would see me running on the field, playing soccer, and I had some, some thick thighs. And because I wasn't like all the other girls on the team that were like twigs, made me very self-conscious. Do you feel like you were treated different because the way you were? Um, yeah, definitely. Because I was like, again, I wouldn't even, looking at pictures now, I would definitely say I wasn't like, like a bigger girl. I just have an athletic build. Like I was, for soccer, for example, I was put as defense. Mm. Because, you know, the girls who were on defense were like a little bit bigger. They couldn't run that well. They get tired easily. Like that's where you automatically get like deemed to do it. More as like I train myself to prove to people especially to my coaches that I could be the like one of the fastest I could be the strongest Mm -hmm. so I bumped up from being defense to midfield yes (laughs) so you know I was zipping around (laughs) zipping around the field like I was hot shit (laughs) right so do you agree with me when I say this, I think elementary school was the time of my life if it was like a school zone. Yes. Like, mind you, college was a fun era, but like between high school and elementary school, they say, oh, high school's the best time of your life. Yeah. And when you get there, you're like, the fuck are they talking about? Yeah. This is like the absolute worst time of my life yeah. because of all the hatred. When yeah. you're in elementary school, you're still... You're vibing. Th- yeah. You have no fucks given. Yeah. And like, it's literally like you're there and just doing whatever the hell you want to do. Yeah. And recess. That was like the best thing to look forward to and have those little breaks and be able to spend time with friends. And it was a lot of fun. And then high school was just like, I feel like it was a smaller box. Yeah. Well, especially because you're put into a category so quick when you get there. Like... I would consider myself coming from, like, elementary school. I I mean, during, for some subjects, I was pretty average. Like, not everyone is going to be the best at everything. Um, but I was, like, sporty. I liked art and literature. I loved languages. I History. History. Oh, my God, I love history. Um, <laughs> oh, hey, Sean. <laughs> it's, like, oh, it's one of my favorite subjects. Because I, I just love talking about it because, like, you can dissect it and come from different angles. But um, as soon as you hit puberty, there's a very, like, I don't know, like, a, a huge transition. It's almost as if your whole world just does, like, a 360. Mm-hmm. Because, like, when you're in elementary school and when you're, like, still growing up, kind of, like, learning things about yourself... You're very carefree. You kind of like are very free spirited. You kind of don't care what other people think. And then as soon as you hit puberty, you're just so self-conscious and you're just so in your head, especially when you don't follow the typical like suit. Right. Like, and again, we both come from 
an area where gender norms are heavily like induced it's heavily ingrained in your brain and the fact that you know I was told that as a girl you have to make sure that the men are fed you have to make sure that your appearance is very prim and proper you want to look desirable because you want to have a mate so you get married and have children and like I don't know about you and your like more male experience but again coming from where we did being a male had to be very strong as far as like the outward and inward you had to be very strong you had to be very quiet and reserved you had to provide Mm -hmm. see for me like when we're like when we're talking and like as you're talking about like growing up there's a lot of what I actually don't really remember yeah I remember very faint things in peculiar moments of my childhood but like I feel because like I used to be made to go to church very very early on and then at some point they just stopped and from there is where I kind of just forgot most of everything unless it was summertime we would always go to the cottage and I feel like our households were really different. My household versus your household, like just hearing what you talk about and the household I grew up in, like my mom, like we were always going to the camping or the cottage we'd rent. Um, my mom taught us to be very resourceful, taught us like my mom and dad, like I think we were very lucky to have the parents that we did. Oh, of course. But there's always going to be, like, the yin and yang. Yeah. The, like, the the good, bad, and ugly. But I, I feel like the, the trauma that I have is not having the voice to be able to speak about how I feel and be able to process and what that looks like and develop all of these, would you call them skills? To be able to possess the understanding of what your emotions are. I think it's more so of like emotional intelligence and like being able to decipher how you're feeling in the moment and how it impacts you especially. And being able to feel validated. Yeah. And like no shade against my parents, but they also come from that as well where they weren't really shown. So they carried that into their lifetime, which I don't really think I carried it into my lifetime because I don't shut up. Yeah. I don't shut up at all. <laughs> and maybe that's why I am the way I am because I was suppressed for so long. I just said, fuck it. Yeah. I really, I, like, I, I can't really distinguish the time where I just said, fuck it. Yeah. But that's all I can think of. Like, growing up, like, you know, I always felt alone because my brother is, I think, four years older than I am. And then my sister is seven years older than I am. So there was like, the four-year age gap doesn't seem like a lot, but when you think about, like, school, being home alone up until you're able to go to school as well, mm-hmm. and then when I reached a certain point in elementary school, my brother was already in high school. Yeah. So I was always feeling like I was alone. My brother and my sister would always go out and do stuff, and I'm like, well, why can't I go? Yeah. And they're like, well, you're not old enough. I'm just like, why aren't I old enough? Like, why can't I hang out with you? Yeah. And I always felt like the outcast. And when I say this, this is not to be felt bad or made to feel any, like, 
to make anybody feel bad. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. And, you know, I remember having pets growing up and I love birds. Absolutely love birds. And I know you're not a fan of them. I have different opinions. (laughs) Yeah. And that's okay. Different opinions are good. And, you know, that was like, I always loved being able to come home for wherever I was going to come home to my best friend, which was my bird. I have such a huge connection with birds growing up all my life because that's all the pets that we've ever had was birds. And being able to connect with them and feel like they understood me and being like wherever I went, like when I went to summer camp once, um, I actually just unlocked a memory, which I'm really happy about because I forget about a lot of stuff. Um, But I got sent off to this Catholic um, church thing. Oh my gosh, we love Bible camps. It wasn't really Bible camp. It was kind of, they did some religious things, but it's more activity based. So it didn't really feel like super Bible and... Okay. Just kidding. Yeah. Not my experience. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I remember, I I forgot what it was called, but I always look forward to it. But I remember, um, I remember mom telling me about how my bird, Tweety, um, like Tweety Bird, he was um, a green parallet a smaller type of bird and I taught him how to climb the stairs and we'd always allow him to freely fly around the house and whatever and we didn't really have to worry about any of that because he'd fly to the cage and then um the cage would be open he knew where I was upstairs he literally climbed the stairs so he like put his talons on the carpet with his beak climbed up the stairs and when I was gone he didn't know I was gone so he looked for me and went to my mom's room and climbed up the sham of the bed and mom's mom was reading a book and this is while I was away at camp and I um remember coming home from camp and mom was like so Tweety is in like this towel where we have to take him to the, the pet hospital because I accidentally rolled over his foot and broke his foot. Because what happened is he climbed up the side of the bed. Mm-hmm. And that was where the phone was. And mom's back was facing that side of the bed he was climbing up. And the phone had rung as he was there. And she went to roll over because she's reading her book. And Tweety obviously made a sound. Excuse me. And then, yeah, turned out he passed away. I was devastated. I lost my best friend. Yeah. And I hid underneath my bed, the bunk bed that we used to have. And I used to share a room with my brother. I used to be like, mom, I'm not feeling good. And then she would try to make me go to school. And then like, I'd hear her walk towards the room and I'd quick, like go underneath the bed and hide underneath the bed and be like, I'm not coming out. And like, how was, (laughs) I lost my best friend. Like, you know, so growing up, like I always kind of felt alone, but I was always in this magical place and it makes a lot of sense to what I practice and what I do now, I like, I've had a spiritual awakening back in 2016, which we can chat about another time. But like, what was your childhood like? Well, where, where do we, where do we start? The little world of Nicole. (laughs) I feel like if like younger me were to look at me now and be like, who the hell is this bitch? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I am so, I'm so different from, like, how I was, like, 
even being in like first year university, I am so different. I mean, as far as like growing up, I was always a tomboy. I didn't like doing anything girly. And again, being the oldest girl, my mom definitely tried to dress me super girly, but I would always rebel in that regard. That was kind of like the only spot where I felt like I could rebel was in the way that I dressed because I always had my brother's hand-me-downs. So, I mean, that was my favorite thing was whenever my brother got rid of clothes, I was, like, the first one to be like, ooh, I want this. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, being a being a tomboy um, and being bi now does – there's it makes sense. it makes sense you know um but I would say that I was more like a little bit quiet a little bit reserved it wasn't until I actually had like a specific core group of friends where I felt like I could be more myself um as far as like having emotional emotional intelligence I didn't really have any because you know I come from a household where you sweep things under the rug. You don't talk about anything. Mm-hmm. You don't uh you don't voice like concerns or how you're feeling. Like I my like parents didn't know that I was bullied in school, like grade 7, grade 8, like they didn't know that I was bullied. Um they definitely didn't know about my eating disorder. Like my mom didn't know about my eating disorder until like I was in high school, like towards being in like the end of high school. That's when I told her that I had an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. So I was very, I was very quiet and kind of like letting people in. Cause you know, you're, I mean, well, especially for me, I was told to just, to just kind of like, let it go, let, let go and let God, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, so. the thing is like, we were raised to be like, you know, you have to be tough. Yeah. You just have to like appear a certain way yeah and it's just like well what about vulnerability and getting real and talking about how we feel to understand each other better yeah and I feel like again being the oldest girl like a lot of stuff fell on me like doing housework and making sure that you know my siblings were fed I mean obviously when you're young you have a babysitter but the times when we didn't have a babysitter it kind of fell on me like, I was five years old making craft dinner. Matilda! Look, like a champ, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Being able to use the oven at, like, five? I mean, yeah. that's a skill. Right? That's such a talent. You know Matilda, obviously, yes. the movie. I love... I relate so fucking hard with Matilda. Not on the grand scheme of, like, her whole parental situation, but, like, just her individuality and just kind of being her own person within this hidden world Mm -hmm. and you know being in such a toxic environment like there is some toxicity within my childhood um and that's what we were already talking about but yeah yeah I mean I always wanted to open myself up to new experiences especially when like um kids would move to our area Mm-hmm. When they come from, like, either larger towns or, like, a little bit, like, smaller cities. First of all, why? That's, you know. Yeah. Looking back, why? why Bruce did you, County. Why did your parents, of all places, choose Bruce County? 
Is either um, Bruce Power or like these big like gig opportunities yeah. for jobs. Yeah. They need a high degree on and no one in the area has. Yeah. But yeah, I remember wanting to like make friends with newer people. Like even though obviously the new kids were labeled as weird, I always wanted to get to know the newer kids and the like weirdos. <laughs> And yes. Get, and get to and get to know them because, like, you know, I was like, oh, this is very much outside of my norm. This is outside of what's been going on. Like, I love change. I thrive in change. Some people, lots of people don't. Mm-hmm. I I feel like at a young age, I knew that I th- was able to thrive in change and open myself up to new experiences. But, I mean, obviously, when you have a helicopter parent, like... <laughs> I did. I mean, if you have a helicopter parent, you can definitely relate. Because I would always want to go over to their house. And my mom would be like, well, I don't know their parents. And and it's just like, well, I was almost like forced to not allow myself to be open to new experiences. Because, you know, I had a parent that was very much like, well, I don't know them. So it's no. Like, why? Like mm-hmm. I always, I always had to explain in order to do something. Mm-hmm. I always had to like put on a presentation and explain why I wanted to do something. So I was always the person who argued as far as like, this is what I want to do. This is like my reason why and give examples. Whereas like with my older brother and my younger sister, I feel like they were allowed to do whatever they wanted. Like my older brother, because he was, he was, he was a boy. So, you know, he could get away with doing a lot of stuff. He could get away with, you know, going to someone else's house that like my mom or like my dad didn't know. Um, he was able to kind of like do whatever he wanted. And then my sister, especially, like, in high school when, you know, you want to go to parties and you want to experience, like, drinking and, like, you know, all the stuff that comes with, like, bush parties and stuff like that you want to experience, my sister was allowed to do those things because she had an older boyfriend. Mm. And I was the one who was not allowed to do these things. And I just, I just don't know if, like, you know, I was kind of forced into this mold of being a prim and proper woman who you're supposed to be a good example of yeah Yeah. because I showed interest in like academics and I like you know had this facade of being put together even though (laughs) I was not I don't think anybody is though (laughs) yeah because like in order to be put together you have to have a really good understanding who you are as an individual and truly I don't think anyone knows who they really are to the fullest degree ever. Yeah. Because life is about a journey of understanding new things about yourself. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. Life is like a box of chocolates. (laughs) (laughs) I remember watching Forrest Gump in civics and careers class. (laughs) They'd pull in that TV on the stand. Yes. Okay, for the Gen Z generation who doesn't know what we're talking about, they would have, like, um, like a brick of a television, and it would be on a cart. <laughs> and you knew that it was going to be a light school day when you wheeled the cart into the classroom. <laughs> like, we were watching Bill Nye the Science Guy. Fucking love that one. Like, Bill, Magic Bill, school bus. Magic school bus. 
That show was really good, very educational, but as an adult and you look back on some of the things, you're like, what in the god flip hell I know. is this? Like, were the, was the creator on, like, an acid trip? <laughs> Especially, the concept is really cool, I know. Though. The concept is really cool. Again, which makes me think that the creator was on, like, an acid trip or something. <laughs> Remember when they went through one of, like, the the kids, like... In like intestines, intestines. Yeah. and then at the end there was like their butthole, <laughs> like and it was like throbbing. And then Miss Frizzle was like, I forget what you know she said, but you know, as an adult, you're like, wait a second, they're at their booty hole. <laughs> <laughs> Work, because <laughs> that's where they exited too. And it's just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Do you remember Pana- Panana? Bananas and pajamas. <gasps> yes. Franklin. Yep. Arthur. Pingu. Yeah. Pangu was a favorite of mine. Yep. Yeah. I I love the TikToks of like Caillou. Oh, fuck. I was never really <laughs> I, I into it. Comments. I was in that awkward yeah. like age gap. Like Nicole and I are only one year apart, and. Uh... I mean, I have a younger sister, so mm-hmm. I mean, I. I mean, I didn't grow up watching Dora, for example, but, like, no. my my sister watched Dora for, like, a year. And then, you know, she got boobs. And then she got over it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we... <laughs> my brother and I like to joke. It's just, like, <laughs> all of a sudden, like, with my younger sister, all of a sudden you got boobs and just became a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Puberty. <laughs> Well, see, the difference with guys and girls when they go through puberty, guys don't have to worry about the moon cycle of their vagina and have to worry about all these products that they have to stick in or on the outskirt of when they have these cycles. And, you know, guys, you know, have to worry about randomly getting fucking hard. I remember getting hard often in class. I'm like, why the fuck am I getting hard? Yeah. And then, like, I'd sit there, and I'd always, like, after a little bit of time dealing with that and trying to understand, I was like, oh, like, this is obviously puberty. Like, and then I started thinking about, okay, I'm going to carry a sweater to school. So you could hide your... Lope it over my arm. Yeah. And cover my wiener. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, so this is how we're going to do it. So I'm going to walk around the school with a goddamn sweater over my wiener. No one ever, like, picked up on it, thank gosh. But it's just like... Girls and guys definitely had it differently, obviously, but I think girls go through more of a challenging time because with that you get like hormonal imbalances, like it's hard to get a groove, especially with development. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially when it comes to like having, being a person who has a menstrual cycle, Mm -hmm. it is like, especially when we grew up again, the early 2000s when it was very stigmatized. Like, when I got my period, I was 11, and that I was... That really early. Mm, no, I was considered, like, average. Okay. Like, 11, 12 is, like, when you get your period. I would say early is, like, when girls got their period, like, at the age of 10. Because mm. I do know a few who got their period at, like, 10. And, I mean, I remember going to the washroom. I was in grade six. I was in grade six. I remember exactly what I wore. I wore uh, jean shorts to my knee and a button-up plaid shirt. Again, by vibes. 
like bisexual <laughs> vibes. How again, the way I dressed was yeah. was very queer. Um, <laughs> with like puma with puma like running shoes. <laughs> so I was a little bit of a homo, even though you know. And I How just re- can I be gay <laughs> when I, I like, like the JJ hetero? <laughs> I had to slip that in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember going to the bathroom and like seeing seeing what was in like my underwear and obviously I kind of like clued in because my mom had the chat of mm-hmm. like this is what is going to expect you're at that age this is what you are to expect when you start menstruating and I just I was so scared I did not want to tell anybody like I didn't want to tell my friends let alone my teacher because like <laughs> it's already traumatizing starting puberty so I went through the day as normal I like prayed that nothing peeped through because you know obviously if guys see a blood stain in your pants they're gonna poke and make fun of you because Mm -hmm. that has that happened to a girl Mm -hmm. in my grade so I was so self-conscious about that and I remember babysitting because I babysat when I was like 11 12 years old and like hoping and I stuffed toilet paper in my underwear and I would just change it ever so often because I just again I was just too ashamed mm-hmm. to tell people that I uh, am having my first period and when I got home I remember going to the bathroom you know putting like pulling my pants down and I remember going mom can you come in here like I think I got my period I just don't know what it looks like Mm. and then when my mom came in and saw she goes oh yeah so that memory just unlocked do you know okay so I'm gonna like so being a male growing up you Mm -hmm. know like if they decide to circumcise you as a child yeah but regardless if you're circumcised or uncircumcised, hygiene. Yeah. This is what I don't get about parents of that generation. They can openly talk about these cycles. Yeah. And cleanliness. But yeah. they can't talk about emotions and feelings. Yeah. But they can have these talks about cleanliness of our body parts. Yeah. And for me, like my dad taught me how to properly clean. I was born with a lot of complication. Um and my mom didn't want any further complications, so she didn't circumcise me. Mm-hmm. It was up until 2015 that I decided to get circumcised for a couple of different reasons. And uh, when I look back on that, I just, I was so adamant of like staying on top of that because that's all I knew. Yeah. And I'm happy that like my parents at least did that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like you also, to a degree, have to kind of figure it out on your own because even though my mom prepared me as far as, like, what a period is supposed to be like, I wasn't exactly told, like, especially, like, down around, like, my vagina how to clean, how to wash, or anything like that because, again, I had girls in my class who, again, had periods like me and you would have these immature boys still boys they're not men we may be in our almost in our 30s but like the guys that I went to in elementary school they're still boys to me yeah 
um, would make fun of girls because they would smell fishy or they would crack a joke, be like, oh, is it SeaWorld in here? Yeah. And that was something that I was so self-conscious about, especially when I got my period. I was so self-conscious. I didn't, like, I didn't want anyone to know. Like, I would hide pads in my, like, pockets. I would do it very strategically, like, because when I was in elementary school, we had lockers. So I was very strategic when I went to my locker. Like, no one would be in the hallway when I needed to change. Mm -hmm. My pad, I mean, I wore pads right up until I was 18. Then that's when I started to experience uh, the joys of a tampon, even though it's... I couldn't even imagine that. <laughs> that. Like, for me, like, I feel like that would be so uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, the first time I put it in, I was... The first time I put in a tampon, I was at... Um, I was at Wonderland. And be, <laughs> oh, no. being 18... Going to Wonderland, having your period, and you only know how to use a pad, but you didn't bring anything because you didn't think that you're going to have your period. Right. So the fact that, A, I had to ask somebody if they had a tampon. Thankfully, one of the friends that I went with, they had one. And I, again, I was too embarrassed to ask her how to put it in. I had to just figure it out myself. That's crazy. <laughs> That's so crazy. I, I, I literally, I wash my hands because again, I'm, when it comes to cleanliness, I, again, this is where my kind of like undiagnosed OCD pops out where I like, I just don't like to touch anything, especially when it comes to my hands. It just like, it grosses me out. So I washed my hands, went into the bathroom stall. I literally took a piece of paper towel to lock the bathroom stall. Cause again, I didn't want to make my hands unsanitary. I put my finger <laughs> my vagina just to see where to insert it because I was like I'm not asking anybody someone's gonna look at me and be like oh well like you've had your period for a few years now you should know how to use a tampon and I was never taught yeah I was never taught how to use a tampon um I think they do it now in schools where they teach you how to use feminine hygiene products mm -hmm. but when I was like in grade five grade six grade seven like when you typically start having a cycle like we were not taught how to use uh feminine hygiene products which is crazy to me because like when you're in elementary school like I can understand how it would be hard but on specific like one day a week mm -hmm. gather all the girls and gather all the guys make an event for the guys yeah so it doesn't seem weird yeah and then have an event for the girls within that school yeah. and just say hey we're all women here. We're all going to experience this at some point in time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like the education system, I don't know what it looks like now. But when we were in school, the education system was so awful. Yeah, you had to figure some stuff out for yourself. And like, it was incredibly crazy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it it's so weird to like hear about all these people's stories and... There's so much that we can all relate to and there's so many stories that have individual experiences <laughs> and that's why Nicole and I decided to work together and play together on this podcast and share experiences so then whoever out there is listening can relate and feel a little bit more comfortable and not feel alone 
And our goal in this podcast is to create a safe space. I feel like that's kind of like the most important thing. Having having a community to kind of validate what you're feeling. And even if you feel very similar to us as far as like, I don't know, just how you're feeling, how you are being perceived, um, your insecurities, like, you know, we just want to be there and kind of support any way we can so this is a very this is a very safe space we don't judge we are just think of us as your like queer brother and sister minus the incest (laughs) that's so funny (laughs) so back home i feel and this is where the incest jokes come out okay we've never partaked in any incest things but we find it really funny because where we come from I feel like everyone is related to each other. And then you see all these people from back home who don't really expand outside of the box of Bruce County. And you see all these people date. Yep. And then they break up and they move on to the next person. And then they're dating each other. And it's just like, did you look into your history? You're related. Yep. And you feel like, I found out that I'm a far distant cousin with all these people. And I'm just like, whoa. Like, well, this person, that person, like, it, it gets yep. really confusing. Yeah, anybody I had a crush on, I literally would ask my mom. Because my mom is a lot better at that stuff than my dad is. And obviously, like, what, like being, you know, 15, 16 years old, when you start to, I guess, develop, like, an inkling to date or whatever. Like, I'm not going to ask my dad that. I mean, now I would because yeah. he would turn it into something really funny. I love how unhinged <laughs> your dad is. Oh my gosh. You, yeah, you have no idea. Especially when I'm home, my mom is like, you too. Peter. Peter. <laughs> <laughs> my dad and I just bring out like a goofy, jokey side. And I feel like, I don't know. I feel like when I came out, especially, I feel like we have that like, I don't know, very jokey, um... I don't know, just jokey vibe about us. And I feel like because I'm more comfortable around him, I, like, our jokes get really bad. Well, <laughs> it's it's because you guys, like, not necessarily relate, but you have formed this beautiful bond and your outlet yeah. is to make jokes out of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Take it nonchalant. Flossie does, Pearl would say. I fucking love that word. I say it a lot. <laughs> Don't even get me started about, like, the whole RuPaul's Drag Race and how they treated Pearl. (laughs) Okay, so, with that being said, I think we are going to cap it at this. And uh, in the next future episodes, we do plan on bringing in special guests who have a wide spectrum of different backgrounds. We want to share their story. Excuse me. We want to break the mold. We want to start sharing in create normalized things of what was not the norm yeah so we're bringing the not norm into the norm yeah yeah again i feel like being the generation that we grew up in and having the boomer parents that we had again bless their souls but i'm glad that we can openly talk about stuff and not feel not feel scared or not feel i guess beside ourselves when we're feeling these things or especially in our political climate right now mm-hmm. like we are so we are so divided a hundred percent 
And it's, it's about finding your community. Yeah. Finding the people who support you unconditionally. And it's so important to be able to have your, not a scapegoat, but your... Your oasis. Yeah, your oasis <laughs> where you can just like be unhinged without any judgment. I'm unhinged 100% of the time. <laughs> well, if you look at now versus then. Oh, yeah. I was, again, I was a good Catholic girl. <laughs> you got your hands together. Who, who, and my legs together. <laughs> But, you know, I just, I followed, I followed, you know, I followed my, my path, which, you know, now knowing <laughs> it's not, it's not my path. <laughs> well, I think we should talk about that in episode two. Yeah. And kind of do the now versus then and who we are currently. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining on this episode. And we look forward to having you in episode number two and all the other episodes and getting to know us. Yeah. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye, bitches. Bye.